our podcast to a click, yeah? We're going to speak like bang on. That's how I'm going to talk. Season 2, episode 11, Future Sounds FM. You're listening to me, Enzo. I'm joined by Tom, as ever, and the ever-dependent and reliable Mr. Fakeman. The lesser-spotted Jay refused to join in, and uh, Jack had to pull out at the last minute, which is a shame. But we have got plenty in store for you. It's uh, basically a look back over the last couple of live events we've done, uh, which is Future Sounds 4, which is in London on... The 30th of September and then a few weeks later we were in LA for Flamingo Fest which um, yeah for anyone who was there memorable amazing nights for both of them so um, yeah good to be back recording lads how are you getting on? Yeah all good. Not too bad thank you pretty good the jet lag has jet lag has subsided. Yeah that, that was real I don't think I ever kind of settled into the American time zones while I was over there and I kind of tried to give myself a few days before the event thinking that I'd be able to relax and sort of have some semblance of normality before jumping into things but as you both know having been there with us it was um, pretty much seat of the pants stuff um, when you're putting on an event that big you kind of you probably learn I suppose so next time might be a bit easier but there was a lot to sort out and a lot of stresses but it was all worth the effort in the end yeah well we were at work mm-hmm. weren't we so you know early starts we're not on holiday no no lions for us I don't think you need to worry about this. I don't. Does Flick listen regularly? I know Katie doesn't. I mean, you can call it a holiday if you want. Yeah, yeah. No. Listen, listening to try and catch me out. Here, it's, it's sort of hear what yeah. I'm going to confess to. Uh, so that's n- no smoking an- anecdotes for me. That's my first mm-hmm. red flag. <laughs> I think you boys had a reasonable, reasonably acceptable amount of uh, downtime versus running around the behemoth <clears throat> that is yeah, LA. And by sure. running, I mean, of course, not running. You know, the, yeah, you, you can't run there. Driving, Ooh. moving, nope. Yeah, to set the scene, we basically stayed in um, Downey's, the town. We thought it was part of LA and. Um, well at least I did and it was only when I got there I realised it was a city in its own right and there's almost no um, way of being a pedestrian out there like we tried to take a little stroll it looked like it was only 10-15 minutes away to the oldest McDonald's that's still open in the world and then we were going to some brunch spot and we just there was no there's no pavement or you call it sidewalk over there there was nothing for us Um, we basically just ran a gauntlet of danger Mm -hmm. and it took about 45 minutes what should have been a 10-15 minute walk so yeah yeah, LA is fucking massive. Uh, thanks to for no one uh, warning us. We do we do sound <coughs> wonderfully English there, though, don't we? We we turned up and wanted to go for a lovely little stroll, and you know, a stroll it just, didn't, it just yeah. bloody didn't a prom- work. A promenade. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, a good place to start is probably um, Flamingo Fest. It's the most recent in our memory. It was the bigger of the two events, um, and a lot of work had gone into it. We were um, we had two days, uh, a very very long lineup. Um, we'll go through kind of the event in detail and stuff like that. Um, but first of all, yeah, arriving at the venue high tide day one to be greeted by uh, basically the police were on their way and uh, one of our artists or two of our artists had been attacked by a crazy homeless person in Skid Row. It was pretty hairy. I was worried that that was going to set the tone for the day, but fortunately it didn't turn out that way. Can you remember in a bit more detail what actually happened? Because I think I was so stressed out at the time. Yeah, it was all a bit of a blur, but I think um, Melonade and Groove Remote. And then he said Groove Armada. We, did, we hadn't booked Groove Armada, had we? That would have been a bit of a scoop. Um, <laughs> they they just showed up. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, special guests. Well, well, it was special guests from the UK. Turned out to be Rob Clems, not Groove Armada, but um, you know, a, a good guest nonetheless. Yeah, we got there and we saw the aftermath of Groove Remote, his partner, and Melonade, who were a bit shaken up, having been sort of accosted by a homeless person who pushed them around a bit and had a knife on their person. Um, and yeah, it was it was pretty swiftly dealt with and. Um, was it Brendan or Brandon who was who was the high tide manager? Brand Brandon, yeah. Brandon, yeah. He um he poured uh, Groove Remote and his his partner um a couple of shots to kind of um help them sort of uh, de-stress after what was like yeah quite a sort of uh, disturbing incident. But you know it was all uphill from there. It was indeed. It was indeed. Although I think by the time I got there a number of hours later, so you would never have known. I know that. You guys um, had some technical bits and mini gremlins, you could say. Not big gremlins, not Christmas gremlins, just mini gremlins along the way. But uh, Are you referring to the fact that Indy and his crew arrived and they'd forgotten the CDJs? I might be. Yeah, Don't need those anyway. That was funny. No, massive massive shout to Indy because he'd spent the day uh, or two before running around getting posters, printing out the set lists, uh, there was a lot of communication with because it was you know it was a big big pool of artists. I think we had something mm. like thirty artists over the two days, something like that. A lot of visual artists to coordinate. Um, a lot of people doing a lot of very important, talented work to to bring the event together. And we were bound to forget something. You know, it is yeah. what it is. It is what it is. But yeah, um, I might as well run through the lineup very quickly. So day one, of course, was at High Tide. Um, so we had uh, Skeleton Lipstick, Melonade, Nano Shrine. Uh, Lucy in Disguise, unfortunately, had to pull, pull out uh, shortly before the event. King Quartz, I Click. Um, Nathan was ill, so we had Will. And that was an amazing set, but we'll come into that in a bit. Synchro Start, we performed as three-piece suites. ED, Global Chill, Panic Pop, Unknown Caller, Strip Silence plus DJ sets by Groove Remote, Young Shiro and Future Funk Monthly. And just, that was a mouthful. That was I had to take breath after that. That's a long list. That was a yeah. hell of a talented pool of artists that were performing yeah. on day one. And it was it was such, a, uh, such an aesthetic venue because the guys do Crystal Nostalgia, Groovy Kaiju and that. And I think Frank's playing it the next one or has played it a few of them. And it's, it's proper on point from an aesthetic point of view with the flamingos everywhere, that beautiful little garden space that they had. And we were blessed with pretty uh, unusual weather for November by our standards anyway. Great weather, really, really, uh, as you say, aesthetically pleasing loca- location. Certainly, as we've already mentioned, the outside part of town is um, quite different to the inside part. But that kind of that, that huge juxtaposition was quite... Um, that made it a bit more impactful walking in. And of course, because it was just after Halloween, they had a huge, like, overarching skeleton thing that was just sort of creeping across the whole of the um, the whole of the backyard area. But no, beautiful location. Really uh, perfect, uh, perfect for the type of event that it was. Exactly, exactly. And uh, just a quick shout as well, because I didn't mention on that list there, we had visual art across the two days by um, All Hell Breaks Loops, Jumper Kimmons, Moi Bender, and Videodrome TV. And I, I mean, I will come on in a moment to what our favourite uh, sets were of the of the first day. But for me, there was a, a high point. I don't think I quite got to appreciate it while we were playing. But there's a video I've seen since of Jumper playing Echo the Dolphin, uh, mm-hmm. literally, and that that's appearing on the screen behind us while we're playing, and that was pretty cool. And it's just you know just one one way of illustrating how creative these guys are, and like without the visuals. 
this kind yeah. of uh, event just doesn't kind of have the same impact, does it? Yeah, they were performing too, weren't they? Just as much as the the musicians were performing on stage, that so much of the the visual art was being done live and was responsive and interactive. It's rad. No, like, nothing like overly pre-recorded, predetermined. It was all mutual, symbiotic. And and like you say, the fact that we are now what just coming up three weeks since the event, and still there's video coming out and or being shared on socials of more of the visual stuff that was being done. You know the the huge intricacies across all of those visual artists, all of you know what they were doing for the for the for the musicians across the weekend. You know there's there's endless amounts of work that goes into it. And it was fab. Yeah, shout out Orgnos for the photographs as well because those have just come out and uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if we're calling these the official picks because there there are a bunch of photographers about, but these ones are pretty freaking good. They're amazing. Yeah, they're going to be hosted on the um, Flamingo Fest website pretty soon, and we're working oh, yeah. right now on a little project which is going to be pulling together those official photos by Orgnos, and I think we're going to try and augment that with um, some of the fan-taken pics and artist-taken pics just so that we've got a mixture of the really professional, polished stuff that Orgnos did and some of the kind of uh, more rootsy stuff that came out from the event, and we're going to pull together... Either like a premium magazine or a, or a coffee table book mm. kind of thing, which is really mm. cool. We've re- cool. we're reaching out to the artists today to try and get some of their memories and moments, yeah. anecdotes, that kind of thing, which will be a really cool touch um, for that. And uh, yeah, we'll kind of float a few more of those ideas into the ether as soon as we have a bit more. We're working with the typesetter now to pull together something visually impactful, and I think it'd be a nice way to remember the event as a whole. So you've got the streams for people who couldn't make it there that were, were that were showing uh, the event as it happened that are still available to watch. And um, yeah, really cool way to, to to mark that occasion. So shouts for Orgnos' photos. Some of them are absolutely incredible. Mm-hmm. Like, mm. They kind of capture just how packed it was, how, how much people were vibing with the, the whole experience. So. Can, we, can I get a couple of picks then? So we'll have to rattle through these because I appreciate there's so much to talk about today. Can you pick out like a couple of your favourite sets from day one? I thought you meant picks as in photos. I was going to say this is an audio podcast. Like, I'm not sure how yeah, right. going to do that. <laughs> <laughs> Describe them. <laughs> if I was going to go for choices. a um, for a pick of the choices for the evening I'd go with um, I guess as if I was going to go with one just for the sake of time I think I would be a um, I'd probably be a little bit brown nosy here but I thought you guys with the three piece sweets piece was really really good um, I had you know, a good, good opportunity to see you guys doing that live and the, the work that you guys have done with the, the album so far so it was great fun and a really cool set it was cool playing it to be fair like we always struggle to try and find a way to keep all three of us um, active and engaged and I, kind of, I enjoy having DJed this kind of music back in the day. I kind of enjoyed doing that side of things. Tom did some keys, uh, which was amazing. And um, my brother was obviously bouncing around doing his usual yeah. MC bit before yeah. I took over the Just mic towards jumping. the end. Stealing, shamelessly stealing some skibbity lyrics and using a few of my own. But it was, yeah, it was wicked fun. It was great. What did Frank call it? English, English music. Noises. English, English noises. noises. English noises. English noises. Yeah. <laughs> Um, well, let's go to your your um, takes of the day. What were your favourite sets? Um, well, highlight was was meeting Groove Remote. I mean, 
met him in well we met in kind of unusual circumstances given that he's you know just been accosted but you know I've he's he's probably the person I've spoken to most in the vaporwave scene without meeting until um you know day one of the event and it was it was really special meeting him and his partner um and uh he was the first act to perform and just yeah his music selection was wicked uh playing like loads of boogie uh loads of kind of yeah post-disco kind of stuff uh fun pop tunes like the kind of music that vaporwave producers future funk producers reach to to sample but he was playing those tracks out in full um and yeah it's just a wicked set and just having a little boogie in the sunshine um it was yeah it was, it was great fun so yeah that that was a definite highlight and then much later on in the evening uh i click doing some sort of very avant-garde kind of dance music was was really cool as well and i'm a, I'm a massive fan of theirs uh, both as as people and uh, on their their production skills are wicked. Big inspiration. Yeah, for me, um, yeah, Groove Groove Remote set was was um, incredible way to start the day. Um, all, all of the sets were brilliant. I was really surprised by Abmo's set. Um, I thought he was absolutely fantastic. It wasn't what I expected at all. Um, I've listened to a fair bit of his music. I'm quite a big fan of Stratford Court as a label, so I tend to try and check out anything that Andrew releases on that platform. Um, and Abmo's set was just absolutely brilliant. King Quartz again, like that was something Very completely cool. unexpected for me. Like the 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 kind of um it reminded me quite a lot of like Joy Division, New Order, that kind mm-hmm. of style of things anyway. And his his aesthetic, his look really carries that sound brilliantly. It sounded quite um Anglophile, the music he was playing, which I thought was really good fun. Um and yeah, if I was going to throw one more out there, uh, I don't want to go over the same ones that you guys have said, but, but probably probably seeing Synchro Start was pretty special for me. We're really good buddies with with Kyle. We met him at the first Econ back in uh, 2019, I think, and he's someone we've worked with a lot. Um, he almost wasn't going to be able to make it, so it was really special that he got to come and share it with us. And uh, yeah, also Eric and Todd, who um, run Slow Vinyl, or Eric runs Slow Vinyl, his best buddy Todd was there to help out. So I got the chance to hang out and chew the breeze and sell a bit of merch to people who were there. And they're just lovely guys. It was it was a beautiful day getting the chance to hang out with them again. They, they were good guys. I like, I like meeting them. Yeah, for sure. For mm. sure. Cool. Anything else from day one? Apart from, okay, so I suppose we should mention Brandon asking us to put a call out on the, the mic between sets to ask people to stop throwing the Flamingo High Tide tumblers in the bin. I don't think he thought anyone was putting them in the bin, if I'm honest. I think it was a polite way of saying, can you stop fucking yeah, nicking in the handbags? Yeah, yeah, we've got three here. I've got one. I've got one, but Charlie got that nice. for me in fairness. I felt bad and ended up not taking one. Instantly regretted it. Those yeah. uh, the the, uh, the room in the bag of the trip Uniqlo kind of bag. There's lots of space in there to hold a number of tumblers. So it was a, it was uh, utilized. It was utilized. Good stuff. Good stuff. Oh, Tom, you should do. Um, you should mention the the. Uh, well, I always say middle class. I don't think that means the same thing in America. The the wedding that tried to crash the party towards the end. Oh uh, yeah. So kind of um, roundabout Nano Shrines set. So last set of the evening because i think we, we were going to have skeleton lipstick closing out the evening but um i believe he fell asleep uh not at the venue to be clear but i think he i think he went back for a sort of a disco <laughs> slash danger nap went back to his pad and uh never danger reappeared nap. um so yeah nano nano shrine kind of worked a double shift 
And yeah, toward, towards the end of his set, uh, we had Canary, Canary down the mine in the kind of form of this sort of wine mom who'd been at a wedding at the venue opposite. And uh, she must have, you know, followed the sounds of music. Um, I think, you know, uh, there was sort of Alice DJ, uh, Better Off Alone kind of playing. It sort of sounded like a fun time. So she was trying to bring her party to ours. Um, and I don't think her friends were willing to join. And I don't think the security were, were, were all that happy about sort of admitting like a load of drunken wedding guests. But, uh, you know, she came in for a little boogie, took her heels off. Um, you know, it was it was surreal, but, you know, well, <laughs> more That's what it's all about. Yeah. Yeah, it was a fun image, way to end sure. the evening. I mean, I... Yeah, yep. for sure, for sure. And it was it was kind of getting to that time. We'd had a few delays because of the kind of delays to the sound check. And Nano, like you said, did a double shift towards the end, which was uh, cool. I think he might have been running out of tunes. Uh, <laughs> we were running out of crowd by then as well because it had gone quite late and people were... Some people had headed off to the Moe shop gig that was happening across town. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, 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 yeah. A good time to jump into day two, I suppose. I mean, day, day day one could have been two days, I think. Yeah, for sure. I was going to say the work that you boys were doing with the uh, having to deal with the soundboard uh, for the whole afternoon as well. I think it's quite important that that's uh, pointed out. There's a lot of uh, a lot of concentration for a number of hours there. A, lo- a lot of holding iPads for sure. A lot, a lot. Yeah, yeah. I held it in one hand and a cocktail in the other. You know, I was, I was happy. Yeah. Well, to be clear, there was no sound guy uh, there. Brandon had helped set us up, but he was obviously running the bar and had a couple of members of staff. And it was all remarkably smooth for the very small number of staff that were in the venue. So, mm. yeah, shouts to you, Tom, and to my and to Jay Thank as well you. for yeah, yeah, hold, holding the iPad and keeping the sound in check. Yeah, Cool. All right, day two, um, which was at the illustrious, the famous Catch One. Um, yeah. That had, uh, I'll just run through the lineup very quickly, a stacked lineup again on day two. Uh, DJ sets by yourself, Fakeman, and Jack, Space Jams. And then we had Lux, uh, Caps Corp, uh, Internet Club, Chlory Mist, who was part of Friend Zone back in the day, uh, Hotel Pools, Vape Era, Dan Mason, Runners Club 95, Fiber, Pizza Hotline, Blood Wave, Orograph, Discoholic, Donor Lens, Data Girl, Limousine, Frank Javsey, Uniwa, Christ, and Fake Fever. Again, a massive lineup split across two stages. Uh, we had Noise and Tavern was the one stage, and Jules. Um, it, it's just an incredible venue. Slightly less aesthetic special. on the outside. There wasn't much of a garden to speak of, but it was a special place to play. The sound system was amazing. Uh, the team there really professional. Really helped the uh, the day to run smoothly, and I just like had moments when I just was able to sort of stand above the stages and watch people perform and just take it all in. It was just a pretty profound moment for us. Uh, I know Indy felt the same way, but, you know, all that work coming together. I think the big the big take from that uh, initially was that, you know, from the get-go, everyone everyone in there seemed to be having a great time. No one, no one didn't have a smile on their face. Everyone was enjoying themselves. Lots of toing and froing between the rooms as well. It wasn't like people were just sat stuck in one position and just watching... Act after act, there was a lot of bouncing around and, and seeing um, as many acts as people could see. Um, huge, hugely strong, great vibe in there. Really, every, everyone was just you know having a great time. You said you felt proud standing on the the balcony and kind of surveying the stages. I felt proud um, actually at both venues with the kind of cinema style. Uh, yeah, you know, uh, hoardings. I don't know what the what the, the word is, but yeah, yeah, yeah the, the titles, the titles. 
seeing our name in lights basically um in la you know the, the whole yeah. the whole week felt surreal but like you know this kind of movie magic of of seeing flamingo fest kind of written up on the boards um i think we were next to like a bottomless brunch weren't we saturday um flamingo fest sunday boozy brunch yeah very cool up in lights perfect bed companions yeah absolutely we were we took five minutes just before the day started as well to get out there and just kind of stand aside the queue and admittedly it wasn't the queue that you'd get at an econ where there's thousands of people ready to go in but it was a good queue you know there were a good hundred people ready at the, literally at the get-go to to get started which meant that both the djs yourself and and jack had a crowd ready kind of yeah. pouring yeah. in it was nice and, and, it was really good yeah, and loads of loads of merch as well. We had quite a few people had set up tables. I think you had Yawn Cat System Corp sharing a table with Limo. You'd had the Stratford Court guys, um, Sly Vinyl. I think John Zabiel had set up a business casual table. Dan Mason had a table. Who else was there? Uh, Data Nano Nanoshine, Chorograph, Christ, yeah. yeah. I click. Yeah, 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 yeah. And Fiber with the uh, Montaigne uh, crew were set up as well. So it was it was it felt like a vaporwave supermarket. Yeah, in that, well, in that a vaporwave supermarket with 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 a bar in the corner, uh, internet club, sort of in in a funny little hinterland between the the two stages. I think in the same space as uh, Data and Nano, but um, internet club was selling some of their uh, kind of more obscure works on sort of handmade CDRs, which is very cool. Yeah, it was absolutely amazing. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, we had the two stages. Um, it was just back to back amazing sets. We we spent a lot of time trying to schedule everyone so that it was contrasting styles, so that you wouldn't have one room be packed and one room be empty. And I don't mm-hmm. think with the number of people we had that would have been possible anyway, because I think with the number of people that were in there, there was never it, there was no no way that either room could have held everyone at one time. So as, as luck would have it pretty much everyone had a good crowd throughout i kind of did a lot of touring and throwing um but yeah p- special picks have you got any i mean have you got any uh sets that you'd like to kind of shout out in particular i guess i would be um a little bit well it, it, it comes as no surprise i really enjoyed lux's work um you know we've been lucky enough to see her before and it's it's almost mesmerizing with what she does on stage and as you were saying we, we were lucky enough to be able to kind of view it not only from in within the crowd but also the opportunity to view it from upstairs on the balcony that kind of overlooks overlooks the stage and um which gives a real great viewpoint in how the crowd are reacting so lux would definitely be up there for me and i think um equally uh would be disc uh, pizza hotline who was also performing at the same time um in the second room and i think you know you mentioned enzo about the about the sound system and i know that part of what peter does is um in terms of how he how he sets things up but the sound in that room and his, his performance was unbelievable you could feel it as much as you could hear it it was uh, a true yeah. experience for sure yeah yeah crisp how about you that function one sound system yeah i mean that the mm-hmm. the two rooms had very different sounds um and yeah like hearing the kind of dancey stuff uh like pizza hotline on that function one sound system was very cool i would have loved to have seen orograph but um i was otherwise occupied uh, performing on the other stage but I, I bet orograph sounded fantastic on that system uh my highlight was was watching internet club from you know above and behind uh as as you were saying about luxury elite just kind of getting a little glimpse behind the curtain kind of seeing what their their working process was and like how they were kind of conjuring up all these weird sounds and it was it was cool like kind of using or abusing dj software to play 
music that definitely wasn't dance music and wasn't even really like metered it didn't have fixed kind of pulse or anything it was just these kind of washes of sound and stuff like making ambient music with dj software was really inspiring and i think like uh jay and i as donor lens <clears throat> do stuff like that to a very very kind of minor extent kind of abusing cdjs like doing little out of time loops and making little echo jams at the end of our kind of dance tunes but internet club is next level and yeah a big inspiration and shout out for their photos as well because their photos documenting the event are kind of as unusual and unique as their music is because um, i think i don't i don't know whether they were film photos or what but like long exposure blurry photos documenting the event and hopefully some of those make it to the the book because they're they're beautiful for sure for sure i had a moment when i stood next to you up on the balcony watching internet club and for me it was one of the kind of proudest bookings that we had obviously lux was really special as well to have to have her perform but and they all are it's it's kind of unfair to single people out but there's definitely a sense of pride with internet club because they are such an og in the scene and because they've had such um such a huge impact i and i think when we interviewed um when we interviewed uh the names just slipped out of my mind. You were there, Tom. Can you remember the, the guy who wrote the dummy magazine? Adam, Adam Harper. Harper. Adam Harper. It, it was it was his take that he could recall when writing that article that perhaps the first one anyway, Vaporwave hadn't really been uh, come to be defined by that name uh, as such. There was a group of or like communities of people who were gathering and playing this crazy internet-based music but i think they were throwing around some ideas for names that might resonate and in some indirect way i think robin may have um coined the term or, or helped to popularize the term vaporwave which is quite special as well and i know when we were chatting before the event they had mixed feelings about that article shall we say uh looking back on it all these years later but um certainly there's no question that the role that they've played in helping to shape the scene especially in its early days so having them there was amazing but just watching like you said watching what they were doing i was trying to get you to explain to me what was happening because i didn't really understand it felt like a set that could never be performed in exactly the same way again like so many of the choices were happening on the fly yeah it was um, improv like in- intervene intervening and improvising with the with the files that they'd loaded into the software and it was just yeah it was crazy and people just yeah just completely experiencing it it wasn't dance music you know it wasn't kind of like that wasn't a groove it was an experience it was was pure vaporwave as well because it's like i think uh internet club and christ more than anyone else on the bill because they're they're sat at a laptop making music with a mouse you know like it's it's that kind of um it's how most of us create the music in the first place but to perform it in the same way is kind of if we if we're kind of awarding points for authenticity you know they're the winners for sure and i think it was interesting because we'd kind of set out to put on a festival that would have the same kind of style as an as an electronicon you know george has been pretty vocal in the last few months that he's not going to be doing that again and whether that turns out to be the case or not we're not we're not we don't know yet maybe that's a marketing thing maybe he has had enough but we really wanted to try and showcase the underground nature uh, so there was less attention or effort put into trying to book crossover artists and it was more about trying to really um, pick as many authentic vaporwave underground producers as we could and i think that in the end we kind of captured most of the 
subgenres that are out there at the moment and and have existed over the history of the scene and that that was a special feeling i know i had a moment with indie when we kind of looked at each other and we were like we fucking did this nice. done it like this is amazing even if we never do it again wow like to have been part of it it was pretty special uh, I remember I was outside. I, I was vaping or eating or talking to somebody, and uh, I, I think I, I can't remember who it was exactly. But someone walked up to me and was chatting about the event, and they said exactly what you were referring to. Then Enzo was that they they the thing they came back their, their takeaway was that it felt like a, the most authentic vaporwave event that they'd been to in terms of that real spread of what the what the genre is all about. So um, you'd like to think that even for that that particular person, it's uh, mission accomplished. Yeah, if one person felt that way, then that makes me feel pretty special. I think um, that that spread includes artists who are great performers in the most traditional sense as well. So I'm thinking of Dan Mason, I'm thinking of Fake Fever as well, and I'm sure there are others. I think even Fiber, who kind of breaks out of this kind of DJ DJ set, kind of uh, transforms into kind of guitar playing and singing singing and stuff. But yeah, definitely Dan Mason with this very visceral kind of emo performance i know I, I was reading some chat afterwards and some people were really kind of not taken aback but like uh really really kind of um stunned and kind of uh trying to process like how kind yeah. of emotionally intense a dan mason performance is based on you know like maybe being familiar with some of his studio works because he, he's he's made such a diverse set of music maybe being familiar with his work which isn't in that style being confronted with essentially like uh you know, an emo indie rock performance um, and a, a fucking good one. Um, I think, yeah, it catches some people well, by surprise. <clears throat> we interviewed him for the podcast back in the day and we were talking to him about the kind of range of music he's made and his transition into doing more original compositions to kind of, he helped to coin Vaporwave 2.0, you know, this vocal driven, uh, less reliant on samples and sometimes entirely um, instrumental compositions in that style and in that vibe. But if you'd only uh, heard Miami Virtual, for example, like some mm -hmm. of his early stuff, you'd be quite surprised by this, the, the, the turn that his live set has taken. And yeah, I, for me, I didn't get to see much of it because we had to do a very quick uh, turn down of the merch area in order to get ready for the after party. But everyone I spoke to just said, yeah, like they could feel the raw energy and emotion that was coming from him. And that's like pretty special in itself. Yeah, people were hugging. I think that there was like a, a sort of mass hug. Yeah, beautiful moment. Ah, oh. that's, that's the best you can ask for, right? Pe people come, they enjoy themselves, they're there to the end. And they're just kind of embracing each other's company and the music. Surely that's the uh, that's the pinnacle. But it it wasn't a local crowd either. That's that's one of the special things. You know, people were flying in from all over the country. In some cases, flying in from across the world. So mm. you know, f for a lot of people, these are an opportunity. These events, and it's not just ours, but they're an opportunity for online friendships to become real. And I definitely had countless moments like that over the weekend. And kind of when we left, I had this sense of happy, happy, sad, where mm -hmm. I woke up the next day feeling proud and feeling happy and kind of looking over my phone at all the videos and photos I'd taken, but also thinking, when am I going to see some of these people again? Like a really mm. good person to mention at this juncture is Booty Wizard, who, who yeah. put on the barbecue on the, the first day before, like on the Thursday night and invited all of the artists to be there. And just this, um, yeah, I mean, tell us about it, Tom, because I think you arrived at it 
and they were playing Adonalens track on the. Yeah, I don't know whether that was through by accident or design. Um, I don't know if he was just like watching out for people arriving and then queuing up their tunes, but um, it was. Yeah, I've said it before, but I, it was like a movie moment, and the whole week had the, a feeling of kind of being sort of surreal or hyper real, and you know that that kind of sums it up. You know that that song as well, "Distant." Um, Dona Lenz tune is kind of written to be like end credits, like movie credits kind of music, and it's you know rather soppily about. Uh, that what that feeling you were just describing about sort of feeling a distance between people who live a long way from you but you feel you know a great sort of kinship with or an emotional connect with i mean if you think about people you yeah. know our, our our friends and family in our kind of day-to-day lives like they're highly unlikely to share this interest but you know this this week in la is like we're, we're <laughs> with people who we're with sort of hundreds of people who share an exact interest with us and you know that's 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 really special um so yeah we were at uh, the booty wizard's house homestead i think he was calling it because he he grows a lot of his own produce (laughs) and stuff and yeah we were served up an absolute feast and uh tequila and whiskey was flowing and artists were chatting and setting up future collaborations and stuff and it was uh, a very very beautiful early evening in the sun it was gorgeous Mm. The food was unreal. Like you know, he had a great he had a uh, a great playlist of not only the tunes of the artists, obviously the who were in attendance, but also some of that kind of um, as we mentioned earlier on, some of that um, those those tunes that vaporwave artists may take inspiration from as well. It was a really nice kind of uh, nice little bit of it's a great setup to the weekend i think certainly it's a shame that jack isn't on it's a shame that jack isn't on with us as well because i think that was uh, jack's first opportunity to um catch up with some people that he knew really really well online as as we all do so um it was uh it was a great way of flowing into for us it's quite a hectic la uh la culture It, it landed it was a nice pillow for us to land on that's a good way of putting it. Um, yeah. If I could just quickly throw in a couple of high moment, uh, high points for me on on the day, um, I think the whole festival was about collaboration. So working with Indy and the Utopia District crew, which is you know like a really special team to work with. Those guys, like all of them, they're they're so dedicated. No one does this for a great deal of money. Um, if, if any at all, it's just about the love of the art and the music and collaboration. And the things that really stood out to me on the day were the collaborations. So it's always special watching you guys perform as Donor Lens, but seeing that collaboration you did with Data Girl was incredible. Um, again, watching Runners Club 95, a guy who I can't believe he could possibly be as confident as he projects himself to be when he's performing, but that collaboration he did with Bloodwave and just the way that they interacted with the crowd in a, in a very unrehearsed, first time performance uh, just jumping on stage to do the track you hearing the call and response of the lyrics with the crowd it was just it was just amazing and um yeah i think those moments i think that's what it's all about with this scene it's about collaboration and forming friendships and working together and like you said about the barbecue and people kind of setting up future collabs i think we'll hear a lot of new albums a lot of new collaborations off the back of this weekend and that's quite a nice legacy if that's all that comes out of it you know in itself yep <laughs> agree <laughs> <laughs> wow. 
technical gremlins, just a slight, a slight um, internet delay, uh, well, web, yeah. um, web delay. My internet's not great out here in the studio yet, but I'm working on that. And it seems like, Tom, you might be struggling with a few bits, but we'll have a little look in the post, the post-production to try and... It'll, 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 be, this out. it'll be seamless, it'll be seamless. Of course. Wonderful. Can I just do a quick shout as well? Because normally when we're doing events like this, um, I spend most of my time uh, on the merch table and I'm unable to kind of circulate and speak to people, take it all in. And I really want to thank Tyler, Cleo and uh, Isaac who worked for hours on um, both on the door, but also helping us out on the merch table. They did shifts. I tried to get back and buy them a couple of drinks while they were doing it and give them breaks every now and then so they can see the sets they wanted to see. But I don't think I would have been able to focus on the tasks that I needed to without their help. And of course, um, Brothers in Arms, Indy, um, the way that he throws himself into all of these community events, I think, it's not unrecognized, so it doesn't need to be said from that point of view. I don't think he's an unsung hero. I think he is celebrated for the work that he puts in, but there's lots of people like him who are keeping the community and keeping the scene alive. So massive shout to all of them. Shouts to the Utopia District crew in particular. That's nice. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I think it, it that, yeah, that, that, that was, uh, it spoke for itself. I think that was nice. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Have you got any more um, kind of, lingering memories of the weekend in Los Angeles that you wanted to get off your chest before we kind of move on to things closer to home? I think it was just, for, for me, it was, you know, uh, both myself and Tom celebrated a birthday while we were out there. And so I think it was a, uh, whilst it was a busy few days, um, we all had a, we all had a house together. So from a kind of more side point of view, as well as the, uh, as well as the event, it was nice to spend some time with friends and yeah. enjoy what was for us beautiful, unseasonal weather. Um, to cook some food on the barbecue, have a couple of drinks when we were able to have some drinks and then really enjoy that day after the, uh, where everyone could finally absolutely chill and just, uh, enjoy each other's company. So I think whilst i had an amazing time at the event i think i also had just as equal a great time with uh with you guys just hanging out and uh with everyone just feeling that 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 sunday where there was a true level of relaxation was was nice to experience yeah absolutely couldn't say better myself i think um the one thing we missed was probably and this is mainly day one but i think it spanned the whole weekend was charlie your partner's uh friendship with Bloodwave and their photo shoots yeah. and stuff i mean that was, yeah. that was just incredible they, I think they'd met at the uh, at the barbecue. I think uh, Bloodwave had asked them for a cigarette or a lighter or something like that. And then basically for the for the preceding three days, they were they were hanging out with each other the whole time. Yeah, they were doing photo shoots in photo booths and um, lots of uh, lots of, uh, kind of almost to the end quite emotional goodbyes. So it's one of those things that um, you don't expect at events, but. These nice little uh, friendships that kind of come out out of absolutely nowhere. You know, Charlie's not. She'll 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 happily admit that she's not part of this particular scene, and you know, he's, came along for the experience and to see you guys performing and uh, and to support. So it's nice that she was able to bring something out of that as well. <clears throat> for sure, for sure. And I think Bloodwave's one of those people who's come straight off the back of this, feeling recharged. They've already mm. messaged me asking if they can play again in future, oh. and and in particular, the, they've started work on a new album. So that's pretty Amazing. exciting as well. Yeah, yeah. shot in the arm. Coming off it supercharged. 
Yeah, well, I feel the same. I've probably done more compositional work and like creating tracks in the last week than I've done in the last six months with the moving of the house and stuff like that. So it's um, it's given me an energy, uh, like a new lease of life as well. Nice. I've got a sort of final surreal memory, which was um, on the on the flight. Okay. Back. Um, well, actually, we, oh, we yeah. both we all had kind of celebrity spots. So, um, you know. Uh, my last celebrity spot in the airport on the way back from Econ was was Desert Sandfields Warm at Night. So I'm not I'm not sure that quite counts as, as a celebrity spot, but it does tie nicely <laughs> into our, our next talking point. But um, we uh, were in a very shit pizza restaurant opposite our gate, weren't we, Enzo? And saw a couple of sort of a, a group of English boys with Paul Weller haircuts and thinking who are these guys you know like either they're yeah. a band or they've 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 been in la for the kiss concerts you know there were there were a lot of people who'd been for the the kiss meet and greet in la but um yeah they uh um, we got chatting on the plane because we were all struggling with the overhead bins and i plucked up the courage to ask if they were in a band and i thought they'd said we're in a punk band a bit like the buzzcocks uh but they'd actually said we're in a punk band called the buzzcocks uh which was pretty cool um and yeah they're a fantastic yeah. band and i um, <coughs> didn't get much sleep on the plane i was just listening to uh well, i did i refused to pay for the wi-fi because it's sort of 40 dollars for two hours or something on american <laughs> airlines but um i was just i had buzzcock songs stuck in my head all all um all flight and uh no complaints because they're bangers absolute bangers yeah i grew up yeah. listening to a lot of that kind of music so it was kind of prof- kind of surreal sat across the the plane from you guys just looking across going Nah, it's not. Yeah. You it's had not that haircut. I kind of got you the chop, the choppy cut. Yeah. yeah, when I was a kid, yeah, definitely I did, and and then I moved on to definitely onto the Paul Weller phase, the mod, <laughs> the mod kind of style. I was, I used to be well into my sixties stuff, and then the punk revival kind of mod side of things as well. Bands like the Jam, uh, Secret Affair, that kind of thing. But yeah, nice. it was uh, quite surreal seeing them. I wish I'd had a chance to chat to them because they were on your side of the of the plane. But it was equally interesting that for a band as legendary as that, they were flying cabin class. Unlike yeah. you, Lubs, who you went business, didn't you? I yeah. Well, it was my birthday, so we treated ourselves to uh, yes. a nicer a nicer thing. But also, it's um, we, yeah, we used some air miles and bits and bobs like that. So we, we we play the system as much as we can play the oh, system. Oh, air miles. You yeah, had a celebrity yeah, spot in the lounge, lounge, in the Miracle Lounge. We, yeah, we, yeah, Are we, any of we, our American listeners going to know who this is? Probably not. This is probably more for the English people, probably within their 40s and 30s. <laughs> I, was, um, having a, I was having a well-earned whiskey after driving around LA all week and dumping off the car. And um, they, they, an individual was coming around with some hot cookies. So I took a hot cookie and the old man opposite me, was he had one of the same. We were kind of nodding at each other over our cookies and chatting a little bit about it and it was uh 70s slash 80s early 90s comedian uh mr jasper carrot who uh jasper didn't look carrot. anything like he used to but definitely you know, once you once i stared him out for a little bit you know surreptitiously looking at him and checking it was him and his voice certainly nice. uh, gave him away that brummy Char- accent yeah, the big brummy accent. And then when Charlie came back, we were sort of WhatsApping each other. And I was like, he's sat next to you. That's Jasper Carrot. And she's like, no, it fucking isn't. I was like, yes, it fucking is. And then by the time we finished our back and forth, he'd gone. So, do you, think, you know what? I think, do you think um, anyone has talked this much about Jasper Carrot in the last 10 years? I think we should Never. keep it going. I think because um, one one overriding sort of impression I got from from the festival was that the, the American audience are Anglophiles. And they really know their comedy. You know, yeah. people were people were coming up to us after the three piece suite set and talking about people just do nothing. Um, Jasper yeah. Carrot's daughter's uh, Lucy Davis, who played Dawn on The Office, 
So uh, yes. Was, oh no yeah. way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, and she so, was uh, in um, the English version. The reference. English version. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, in, in the English one, and she was also she was also in uh, Shaun of the Dead as well. She oh, was yeah, one that's of the. Right. Uh, that's she, right. she, she's one of the friends in the. She was the. Uh, she was in that little group that yeah. Sean's in. Yeah. Yeah. Oh wow! Yeah, but wow. so some anyway. people, some people, some people might know of him. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah, for keep sure. the, this stays um, in. Keep it. I've got <laughs> no. I've got one more. I got one more. I'm coming back in. I'm coming back in for one more. I'm double dipping on people just do nothing. Yeah. The funny thing about that program when it first came out, like I had to share it with absolutely everyone because I, I I saw it almost immediately. It's literally filmed in Wicksteed House, which is a tower block in Brentford Estate. So anyone who listens to this that knows their synthwave might be aware of Retro Reverb Records. So our, our mate, you're, you're aware of him as well, Cole, who runs Retro Reverb Records. He lived in that block and we were those people. Like we literally did a pirate <laughs> radio station in his flat on the 26th floor. And we had a mate and I, it, I can't remember his name. Well, I can't remember which one it was. I think it might have been... Chris Mann, it might have been, climbed out of the window of his tower block, hooked um, like a, I can't think what it would be, I can't think of the word to describe it, but basically threw something up to the roof, pulled himself up, and then set up a transmitter. And because of the way the building was set up, we could only transmit towards Chiswick, which is something that comes up (laughs) in in the scene. So it's like transmitting across parts of West London. Parts of West London. So we did a radio station playing Garage and Jungle from that exact tower block. And we also used to dress like those chavs as well. So that was you used me. to dress? I don't dress like a chav anymore. Like. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm wearing technical fleeces and like you, you um, are. I mean, you... taking, taking notes out of the Tom playbook these days. Very true. Very true. I'm no, part of the podcast element. Yeah, exactly. I know exactly that. Um, I'm conscious of time. I know that yep. we've all got a few things we've got to do. We want to keep this one as snappy as possible. So let's spend uh, a little time talking about Future Sounds 4, which was on September the 30th back in London at Luna Lounge. I'd been there before to watch you guys play. Well, I don't know if you as were in the Iverson. band then in Iverson. No, yeah, I, 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 Iverson I was with you then. in the crowd, yeah. That's right, that's right. So it's, it's, a, it's a tiny venue that is it's in a pub. But it feels like a basement, like an underground basement place, perfect for live music. I don't mm. think they get that many live DJ sets there, do they? Because it didn't come across as that kind of place, but no, it was yeah, perfect for what we were doing. It was yeah, more... so we had... Um... Go on, go on. No, I was going to say, it's definitely more from, from looking at what they, where they've been there previously. It's more of a band uh, sort of location, and the sound guy was definitely suggesting that what we, what we were doing was quite unique to what they'd done before. Nice. And they had the backdrop behind the DJ booth that was set up full of LP covers. So it was like stuff mm. right through the 50s, 60s, 70s, all all over the wall that came out beautifully in some of the pictures and videos that were taken there. Uh, just a quick yeah. shout on the lineup. So Zero did the poster, um, which was really, really classic. It looks like a late 90s kind of drum and bass rave style poster. Um it had a lineup featuring Desert Sands, Feel Warm at Night, uh, Donor Lens, Zero, uh, Vanitas, and then, of course, DJ sets by myself and you, Fakeman. And it was just, it was one of those, um, yeah, smaller events that require a little less stress, a little less worry. You're not committing so much money. You're not concerned about ticket sales. It just, it sold well. We had a small venue that felt packed throughout. Will's CRT installation just brought the place to life. Yeah. And 
I, I feel like that was almost as memorable as Flamingo Fest in different ways. Like you had the Belgian Bez, for example. Uh, yeah. It's like, yeah. Can you remember? Did you talk to him? Because I got kind of stuck with him. He was this guy yeah. probably in his fifties, really into his rave music from he, back then. He was a, a he was hat. a mate. He was a mate of Vanitas's, right? I'm sure. Yeah, I think I they travelled so, over together. Maybe lived in London. Yeah. Ah, okay. So he had come yeah. from Antwerp because we, we'd met him on the evening before because we we hung out with Ori uh, Vanitas and and his partner and uh, yeah he had like a small entourage with him, uh, um, including the Belgian Bez who was a fifty something skateboarder from Antwerp, who um, yeah big on his um, alternative music, big on his conspiracy theories, uh, not fond of the cashless society or fifteen minute cities from what I can tell. But yeah, um, he told us after our set that we were going to get a, that he was going to get a donor lens tattoo. Um, so yeah, uh, hopefully he's done that. I'd, I'd love to see photo evidence of that. That would be the first one, as far as I know. We'll have to he get didn't, in touch he, with Ari to find out. He didn't yeah. stop all night. You know, he was part of, from, from the second he got there. Apart from, I'm sure we'll get onto it. At Desert Sands, but like he was, he was dancing all night. And I think a few yeah. people, a few people had sort of commented on how he was sort of a almost like a central <clears> part of the evening for them. Oh yeah, definitely. He was bouncing from bars open till close. It was it was incredible. He came out and caught me. I think after my set, I was like, kind of, because we'd interviewed, we'd, we'd got the guys over, like Zero and Vanitas. We'd planned to fly to Belgium to film them for the Nobody Here documentary. And um, they came over and we filmed at Tom's place before, which was really, really good fun. Uh, really interesting, especially the chat with Zero. Incredible guy. But um I was feeling a bit washed out after my set, so I went upstairs to get some fresh air, and this guy comes out with his Belgian accent. Um, he'd been, like I said, he was bouncing with his bucket hat, like absolutely into this idea of people still playing these throwback rave tunes and stuff like that. But then in, he quite quickly started talking to me about how the earth is flat. So, <laughs> yeah. I don't think we'll ever hear from him. I don't think moment. he's got data on his phone. No 5G. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sure, yeah, I like sure. to imagine it was at that moment. It was at that moment where um, we were kind of thinking, had we scheduled the event very well? Because we had all these, everyone basically played a jump up, ravey kind of uh, vapor era kind of set. And mm. then we had Desert Sands, which is low BPM, very much an ambient experience. And I was thinking, how is this going to play after all these sets where everyone's dancing and stuff? And actually, I think you came up. Uh, fake men and you were like you got to get down here like everyone sat on the floor they're like kind of experiencing this like a lecture it was incredible <laughs> it was I I was doing some stuff on the um, on the merch table when he came on and slowly but surely and I'd, I'd, I'd heard that people did this uh, econ and I wasn't I'm not sure if that because I wasn't at the econ this year but all of a sudden people just started almost like they were meditating people just take, taking a pew and just enjoying the music for what it was and then after a while it was almost people kind of um truly just getting into tune with the music. And, and I think, you know, with hindsight, it was a great move to put him on at the point that we, that, that we did because it it brought everyone down a little bit. It it had a nice... I, I'm badly explaining that I'd never seen anything like that before, I think. Yeah, really. it was... I, I'd never, yeah. Ne, never experienced a gig like that before. It kind of brings back, um, you know, the old kind of chill-out rooms that, that they used to have in raves. And, um, mm. you know, uh, we've kind of called back to a few of our older podcasts... Um, we actually should have called back earlier to Luxury Elite's podcast because she talked at length about her feelings about the Adam Harper stuff, which kind of relates to internet club things. But fair, um, fair point. when I when yeah. I chatted to um, Desert Sand, he was talking about his parents kind of uh, diverging music tastes, and I think his dad, <clears> my <throat> understanding, is kind of uh, classical guy, 
played the organ or Hammond organ, I think. Uh, but his mum was was like banging to things like the K- KLF. So, uh, you know, with their album Chill Out. So I think that there, there's something of the kind of chill out room, uh, you know, in, in Desert Sands music. There's certainly something of that in the Barber Beats movement as well. So I think this kind of the era of the chill out room, mm. you know, might be coming back. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. That's interesting. And and again, like I know I mentioned it before, but the way Will does his research before the day. So he's the guy who, apart from the first event we did, he's been at every one we've done since. So I think he's been at the other three that we've done thus far as Future Sounds. And he sets up these CRT towers either side of the stage and... He does a lot of work in terms of research to find visuals that will marry with the sets that are being performed. Like I think in particular, the one he did at Folklore was really incredible. The way, Mm. um, you know, like Pizza Hotline set kind of was complemented by the visuals. And I don't think that these events would be anywhere near as uh, impactful if you didn't have him. It's a bit like the UK version of like Jumper Kimmons or Moa Bender or, or Hell Breaks Loop, these people who pull together these amazing visuals on the state side of things. He, he's the closest thing that we have here in the UK to doing that. And uh, yeah, can't, can't praise him enough for what he does. No, you're right. I think it, I, I was, it, I was not surprised, but I was thankful that, you know, I'd, I'd seen some of his work previously from um, other events, mostly in the synthwave scene. And um, he's so open to being able to kind of expand what he looks at and how how he does things into such a wide you know number of genres and and, it, and his ideas are, are vastly um, I guess you could say informed by a huge amount of different influences. So yeah, the work that he does is fab. Um, if anything, it'd be great to have a larger visual presence in our future future sounds um, events. Mm-hmm. I think because it's, def- it's definitely told me that the CRTs are great and I really enjoy them. But let's let's, let's make it more because it um, it truly adds to the experience. Yeah, I think um, the visual artists at Flamingo Fest who incorporated cameras into their work. I think that 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 was really special. You know, when when um, you can have the the artist kind of interacting with the visuals, and you get these kind of feedback loops and this this movement and stuff, and this this sense of live rather than pre recorded, and I think that's well within mm. well within wheel well within Will's wheelhouse. Got there. Jeez. Hey, well done. <laughs> <laughs> that's a podcast title there. Kind of my my overall thoughts on it were, you know, we've we've done that. That was the fourth the fourth event that we've done over here in the UK and you know granted they aren't as big as maybe some of the um the more US based elements but we found uh we found a great hard like, sort of core audience who have been to certainly been to all of them you know we we floated between the the synthwave scene and the vaporwave scene sometimes doing both sometimes doing one or the other um but each time they've to me felt more and more successful which i think for us is just about learning and um and who we're bringing yeah. along and how we're doing it um they are truly becoming a, a a real joy to um to undertake and i think you know we've got some ideas that i'm sure will come out in the future about the 2024 plans and yeah. if anything just learning from those as well as what's happening for mingo fest will just make it uh, an even more uh, exciting experience i think Definitely, definitely. I mean, 2024 for me, certainly the first part, I'm going to be up to my eyeballs in nappies. So I'm, yeah, I'm not um, planning on doing too much for a couple of months. But um, with a, well, I think it's late 28th of January, I think the, the second baby's due. So that'll be um, exciting times in the in the uh, Van Balen household. But we have got, like you said, we've got some plans to do 
something quite DJ focused in the first instance so that we can sort of ease ourselves into 2024 with a view to following up Flamingo Fest on the States side of things later in the year and doing something a bit more ambitious in the UK. But mm. before we go, I wanted to get you guys' take. So obviously we're coming off the back of Flamingo Fest. We've got these events happening in the UK. There are other people putting on shows across America. It's a huge country. I just wondered if you had any feelings about, you know, now reflecting after our event on what George said about kind of the end of Electronicon. Like, is, is that a, an opportunity for people to fail? Is, it a, is, it, is he laying down the gauntlet to other people to pick up, pick up the mantle and run with it? Or do you think that the scene will struggle off the back of that? I think gauntlet's the, the right word because there, there are some big challenges facing us. So, like, um, I think physical sales across the board for, for Vaporwave labels are down cost of living is high yeah. streaming numbers for everyone in our scene are considerably down algorithms are fighting against us uh people who had big voices now find themselves kind of having to relearn things or learn new tricks to kind of get themselves reheard uh it's challenging times but there's an appetite and there's an appetite from audiences to experience this music live and there's an appetite from artists to kind of overcome these challenges um and unfortunately some people will fall by it fall by the wayside and some kind of existing figures might kind of uh you know kind of pass pass on the mantle um you know which may be the case with with econ but um you know uh in my small part that i had to play in, in flamingo fest i'm i'm fucking raring to go to be honest but um i've got less less at stake but uh, you know i had the time of my life and i, I just want to do it again Hmm. I think I think yeah. there's something there's something about I I don't know if 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 what George says is true and it doesn't and an econ doesn't come back I don't know if there's a vacuum there because I think if anything he sat not necessarily separately but people were kind of doing their own thing I'm, I'm I'm referring to the states only at this point so I think those things will continue I think those people will probably be quite um maybe try to be a bit more ambitious knowing that things such as Flamingo Fest can take place so there is a bit of an inspiration that 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 brings to people. From a UK point of view, I think, you know, both the Future Funk and Vaporwave scene is maybe, you know, is arguably a bit smaller here. So you're always kind of going to be on a slightly smaller scale. But, you know, that, those those wants, as, as Tom refers to, that kind of confidence and, and ambition to want to do something and that drive is definitely there. And I think it's something that I'll certainly take into 24 with the ideas that, that we might have and what we can do. And, you know, ultimately we know that it's about growing fan bases as well as anything else. And you know, being such online genres, um, people ultimately producing, listening uh, at home and with COVID being what it was, some people are still a little bit worried to come out. So um, building that confidence, giving people a bit of FOMO is nothing to, uh, there's, there's nothing wrong with that either. And I think, you know, if I hadn't come, to Flamingo Fest I think I would have been kicking myself um, so putting that into how we look at things or how others look at things in the future for their own events is only a good thing yeah what yeah. about you I, I guess just following on yeah following mm. on from what you guys just said there like there's definitely some truth in the fact that physical sales are a little bit lower. There's a number of factors at play there. I think there's a lot of competition. There's a lot of labels. Um, there's a lot of stuff coming out. Bandcamp Fridays themselves kind of feel like a saturated wasteland. And if you don't drop something huge, then you're kind of going to struggle to make yourself heard in and amongst the noise. But 
that's a good thing. I think competition and choice is a good thing. I think the financial challenges people face are something else. And it will be interesting to see over the next six to 12 months who kind of sticks with it and who wants to move on to, to other things in their lives, maybe a bit in the same way that George has. But from a live um, point of view, and perhaps also from a, from a label point of view, like the thing about Vaporwave that really stands out is that it's, it's not just, it's not something that you just stick on some tunes and sort of passively experience. It feels to me like one of the most dedicated genres of music where the fan base is actively engaged because the gap between the audience and the practitioners or the, you know, the artists is so narrow. You can become friends with artists, you can collaborate with them within, within days of sending them a DM on one of your social media platforms kind of thing because that gap is so close. People are very fanatical. They feel like they're actively part of the scene. And I think if you have people like that, there's always going to be a loyalty that lasts and I would encourage anyone who you know notwithstanding people who might be a bit concerned about going to live events because of things like the lingering impact of COVID and stuff but if you aren't one of those people and you do see a live event that's happening in your area it really does make a difference to buy a ticket and I'm not talking about our shows like whatever's happening where you mm -hmm. are in the states like if you can get a ticket and go to a show like you're helping these people to break even maybe turn over a very small pro profit and you're helping it to be a viable sustainable scene where there will be events in future you can't sort of like sit back and think oh, I'll go one day because yeah. maybe people will fall by the wayside because people don't have bottomless pockets and they want to put on parties but no one wants to go broke at the same time and it's hard out there at the minute so I would say yeah just support your favourite labels if you can every now and then with a little bit um, and maybe um, maybe yeah head to a show and that's not a plea for money I'm not asking for you to buy MPF stuff <laughs> but do but there is much available do. <laughs> some very nice <laughs> there's plenty of them <laughs> Speaking of which, yeah, Spaceship Earth, 10-year anniversary. The repress is coming out on the 1st of December. You heard it here Ooh. first. Glenn's cool. upgraded the art, so it was quite pixelated in the first pressing. Um, when it came, we, we didn't really know how that was going to look until it arrived, and I'm still happy with it, but Glenn's done an amazing job of upgrading that. It's going to come with a poster. Um, it's going to be a really special... Uh, piece and lots of people have asking for it so um, and I get a lot of DMs every day asking when it's happening so that's when it's happening have you got any more for any more guys or should we um, yeah maybe a, maybe a couple season two with this one couple of plugs if we're plugging um, you mentioned yeah. that the Donor Lens and Data Girl collab um, that is coming out on December the 8th so a few Fridays time um, so I'm really excited to get that out I believe the week before uh, the new iClick album is coming out, which is going to be the last thing on on Pad's Catskill Records, which is bittersweet. Yeah, December the first um, as well. But yeah, um, shout out to iClick. I mean, you know, their their music is extraordinary, and you know, this is this is an extraordinary way to kind of uh, for Pad to bow out. You know, unfortunately, kind of that's that's what we were just talking about. You know, um, uh, running labels, running events is is difficult, and uh, you know, Pad clearly wants to focus on something else. But going out with a bang, because uh, this this is a wicked album from from an amazing yeah. uh, amazing artists. Um, I believe there's a, a launch party with some amazing guests. I think Luxury Elite, Christ, uh, Fire Tools. I, I click. I think it's like a wow. URL URL event. So uh, yeah, uh, URL events still happening. Um, and I think I think there's some exciting ones on the horizon. I know Daydream Deluxe is doing one of his Vapor Shave events in early 2024 again and stuff. So it's it's really cool that online stuff is still happening as well. That's a 
that's a big part of um, <clears throat> recent vaporwave history, and it and it's 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 apt, it's appropriate that those that those exist and continue to exist. Amazing, amazing. Well, I think that's a good place to wrap it up. Massive shouts going out to once again the Utopia District crew. Shouts to Limo for being a great friend out in LA. It was great to hang out with him again. Shouts to Booty Wizard for hosting us for the barbecue. Shouts to Zero and Vanitas for coming over from Belgium, making our lives a lot easier with the filming and putting on a great show. Um, and to anyone I've missed as well. Just um, We'll see you back on season three in the, in the next couple of weeks. And until then, peace Ta-ta. and love. Bye, bye, bye. Absolute rot, rotter of a cold. I've got this sounding incredibly crazy, but worse, worse than normal. Cool. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go and collapse. I think.